podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. The Celtic Exchange, a fresh insight on Celtic Football Club. Welcome to episode 27 of the Celtic Exchange. This is Tino and today I'm joined by Miff and Paddy. Ange Postacoglu and Dom Mackay took advantage of the easing of Covid restrictions last week and managed to sneak in a wee city break to London to discuss all things Celtic. They also took in the Scotland-England game at Wembley on Friday night with Callum McGregor flying the flag for Celtic in a solid midfield performance. In other news, Gordon Strachan's definitely maybe coming back to the club and so is Eric Sviachenko, but the reality is that both probably aren't, but they might be. Math, never a dull moment. Plenty to discuss this week. What's on your Celtic mind? Hi Tino, hi Paddy, hello listeners. Um, not too much to be honest, um, partly because of the Euros and partly because I don't feel too much has happened. I mean, probably the highlight of my week was um, Eric Svechenko's thighs when he was doing his bleak test on, on Denmark. Did you see the bad boys, man? Beauties. Between Eric Svechenko's thighs and Jack Grealish's calves, I'm talking oil, too much about up. guy's legs. Oil, there we go, there we go. That, now there's a combo. Um, but I, I, I suppose I'm fairly happy to see that Postacoco has been cited. That was a um, that was a, a welcome a welcome thing. And him and Mackay being pictured together watching a game of football. It's amazing <laughs> the low, the low standards of last season, <laughs> the things that make you happy this season, uh, comparatively speaking. So, well, you can only assume work's been done. Um, but but for me, that there's just been a lack of action. So until I've got stuff to to judge, I know there's been a bit of movement in terms of potentially players staying um, around. Sort of things that we'll touch upon later. Edward's move to Leicester falling down, Griffith's phone conversation with Ange, and uh, and the and the, the the man who refuses to go away, Anthony Ralston. The man who still hanging on in there, hanging on in there. Um so yeah, there's I mean there's there's plenty for us to, to, to chat around that. So I suppose it's really just been that. The, the concentration naturally is, is on the Euros and watching the, the, the Celtic players that are there. And um, like you mentioned in, in the intro there. Tino, I thought Callum McGregor's understated performance um, at the heart of the midfield, where he just kind of calmly went about his business, was outstanding and and easily his best performance of the season. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Paddy, nice to have you back. How are you feeling yourself about all things Ange and the latest rumblings from Celtic Park? Well, first of all, hi Tino, hi Miff, and hi listeners. Uh, good to be back on. Um, so it's been quite a again a, a bit of an unnerving couple of weeks just now. Um, obviously. We think things are possibly starting to, to go in the right direction. Um, I'm still a wee bit, I don't know, there's not much urgency, there's there's not much uh, enthusiasm at the moment if we're getting linked with former managers and former players to come back. Um, Gordon Strachan on, on the, the issue of, of potentially him coming back, I'm, you know, I'm 50-50 I'm on that. Uh, I think he'd done an awful lot for us, but he'd done an awful lot for us in a different era of football. And for Eric Sviachenko, he was deemed not good enough. Um, now, I know we gave Boyata chance after chance as well. Um, but for me to to go back to someone like Sviachenko, he's, um, he's done okay in, in Denmark, absolutely. But is, is that the level we're at just now? I mean, the guy's 29 as well. And it's a bit of a strange strange take. So, yeah, still a wee bit dubious about what we're looking at as a club at the moment. Yeah, in terms of Sviachenko, somebody said, you know, decent player and all that stuff. But Rogers deemed him... You know, not worthy of a Celtic shirt, I think, three years ago now. He's not getting any taller in that time. <laughs> he's certainly not getting any faster. So, you know, would that be the right move? And it's it's up for debate. Um, obviously, as you touched on, Miff, uh, Don McKay was pictured in London with Ange last week. So that's obviously positive news that they're getting together and hammering out what they need to do. Um, they've said that Dom, sorry, that Ange has completed, quote-unquote, an initial, an initial period of quarantine, whatever that means. And the hope will be that he begins his work in earnest at Lennox Town this week. 
I think really, you know, until we see that, you know, the pictures at Wembley's fine, but pictures of him on the training ground and actually starting to do what he does, that'll be indications that we're starting to get things rolling and moving in the right direction, won't it? Uh, absolutely. You know, what, what, we're, what we're going on now is, you know, it feels to me, because we've not seen him pictured outside Celtic Park, I'm sure there's good reason why that's taking place at Wembley at that time. You know, there's, there's Scotland players in the squad, I would assume it was, eh, Scotland players, Celtic players in the squad, sorry. Eh, I would assume it was would be to do with that and going down and, and, and meeting them. Well, I hope it is. <laughs> eh, but like you say, you know, visuals, everything, knowing that he is in the building, literally in the building, and getting to work, I think, will calm a lot of the nerves of Celtic fans. And to be perfectly frank with you, I, I don't mean to sound defeatist about the new season. I'm, I'm genuinely excited. But the further we go without any clear action in terms of the squad, players leaving like we expect them to, and players coming in like we expect them to, then I think you're looking at a very, very early concession of the title. I, I, can't, I can't see us winning the league without taking action sooner rather than later, just purely to gel the squad and, and start building. I know it's hard when there's a major tournament on, and there's also a major tournament on in South America as well, so you, you never know where targets are based. and you know It's, it's a, an unusual time, but I, I still don't think it's any excuse for practically nothing to have happened since Postacoglu's been appointed. I can agree with what you're saying as well. It's a bit, um, you know, it's nice to see, obviously, that him and Dom have spent a bit of time um, t- chatting away. And I'm hopeful that that's about, obviously, how things are going to move ahead. Um, possibly this modern outlook that we're, we've been um, beginning to get promised um, by by Dom McKay. Um, so I'm hopeful that that was part of the, the discussions on Friday. Um, I'm quite like you. Um, I'm not one for seeing a Celtic manager stand with a, a, the scarf over his head over a Zoom call. Um, I think people are sick of Zoom this year. Um, so it would be nice to see him at the stadium. Um, you know, get the pictures, get the the, the, the standard flag, uh, sorry, scarf over the head, get the, the fans on board. The renewals uh, are coming to an end this week. Um, I would maybe hope to do something before that. Just, you know, a, a, a spur, spur me on type of thing. Um, but the thing is, is that you've got to hope that in this time, the Zoom calls have been in place, not with Jenny McCulloch, um, but with other members of the board that were able to sit and start looking at um, potential signings, potentially who's going to be staying and how this club's going to move forward. Because I'm with Miff on this one. Um, I wouldn't concede it so early. Um, I've got, we've got to give the guy a chance considering the tournaments. However, I'm, I'm quite sceptical and the fixture's been released last week. It's a hard month and I think I mentioned that in one of the podcasts. If he doesn't hit the ground running, then the pressure's on straight away. If he's the type of guy that has a bit of a fight with the media as well, the pressure's on with him as well, and that's not good. Yeah, just to mark my own card, early bells, I'm conceding nothing now or hmm. any time, any time soon. Took me till about March or April last year, I'm to concede that. That's true, <laughs> you know, that, that's true. But what I will say, when, when I say that, I've probably used the, the wrong word in saying concession. I, 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 I shouldn't have said that. My expectations yeah. are probably what, what I should say, because obviously I'm not going to concede that title in August. Even even me being pessimistic, but the, the, the ex- my my own personal expectation level going into the season will be extremely low if mm-hmm. this malaise or lack of definitive action continues. But I did notice, um, obviously the was it Joey Dawson was signed for, for Scunthorpe, um, and the William Shaw, William Shaw transfer was confirmed as well. So the the, the Sweetchenko link coming out, the talks with, with Griffith, the Ralston extension, there is obviously. Some you know, there's work around the squad going on, but I think we would all admit as, as Celtic fans, it's fairly underwhelming stuff. It's stuff that you know we, we, we're, we're wanting a centre half, we're wanting a centre forward, we're wanting probably a new keeper, probably need a, 
a, a centre mid as well. Yeah. So yeah. as well as maybe chucking a winger on the right back. So you know, if you, if you add all on. that up, it's it's it, what we've seen so far is just a bit. Yeah, I think I think we need more. We need to see more. It has to be visible to us as a fan base so that we can all get excited about next season. Yeah, and I don't mind, or I don't think anyone minds the, the under the radar stuff, whether it's Young Dawson or Shaw coming in. That's fine. That's all part of things. But they have got to come in alongside some high profile names in the very very near future. So just talking about even the time scales of it all. So we're just about a month out from the first game. So as we found out last week, we've been drawn against Sviatchenko's Mitchelland eh, in the second qualifying round for the Champions League. The first leg will take place at Celtic Park on the 20th of July with the second a week and a day later, so the 28th over in Denmark. So that's really the focus for now. There's various uh, you know, training camps in Wales and pre-season friendlies and all that stuff, but that's really got to be the big focus for now, hasn't it? Mm-hmm. I think so, yeah. Um, and again, just kind of going, going back to that. So that's what, I mean, we're, we're less, less than, well, around a month away from that now. Um, so you've, you're four weeks, four weeks of, um, you know, there's going to be a lot happening uh, at the club. Um, I think if he gets in and we, he can implement something from the team that that's there, this is a tie that you know we could win, but we could also get beaten at the moment uh, with the squad that we currently have. So I'm hopeful that we see some new faces in the next the next four weeks. Yeah, definitely. And I suppose the the big question is, you know, are we pushing the panic button just a wee bit too early? A lot can happen in football in four weeks now. Obviously, as Miff said, there's different tournaments going on and it might be quite hard to pick up players at this moment in time. But the hope is that, you know, maybe seven days from now, the picture looks very different and that will give you a lot more confidence going into the weeks ahead. That that would be that would be acceptable if you were starting from a base level that last season was even remotely normal. You mm-hmm. lost the league by eight points going into the last few games. You know, last season was an utter disaster. So the lack of, you know, immediate rectification of that is, is the worrying thing for me. I would have thought that that's something the board would have been absolutely insistent upon at the start of the season was to go out and send strong messages as early as possible to say, we're back in business, we mean business, let's all get behind the team. Now, the appointment of Postacoglu, a bit left field, very left field, but I think it's actually got the vast majority of Celtic fans quite intrigued. I think the more that people have actually read a bit about him, his character, he seems to be somebody that the Celtic fans can really get invested in and get behind. Yeah. However, Everything that I've heard about him is about giving him time. And I think that's what's in my head as well when I talk about my expectations being lowered because the guy has obviously been involved in rebuilding projects at places he went before and the job that he's done with Australia as well. He has to be given time so that, that you know, his way of, of, of thinking comes through. And it's that bit that worries me because Paddy referred to the, the very difficult um, fixtures that we've got. In many ways, that could be a good thing because they're the type of fixtures that, regardless who's got a green and white shirt on, they should be up for. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the Jambos are going to be sitting waiting on us after what happened with them getting relegated. They're going to be absolutely loving that. We we need to be ready for that particular battle on that day. Is it eight o'clock on a Saturday night? Yeah, yep. happy days. <laughs> so you know, we we just we just need to be really really focused and prepared for that. And ca- can you sit here and say, I know there's you're saying, you know, there's still a while to go, but do we as a group of fans do we have confidence? that we are actually going to see the type of action that we want from the board. And I think, for me, the answer is no. Well, that's what I was going to say on that. Um, it's all all good saying that, obviously, we've got this time and um, you're hopeful that a manager's going to come in and he's going to he's, he's going to pick his team. He's going to decide who he wants to sign. But we are famous. We've got a track record of taking our time in the transfer window in the summer. Um, the amount of players that have come in last day in the window with Celtic. And I'm not talking in the last five. You're talking at least the last 15 years. It's the shrewdness of law with that, which is okay. I understand it to a certain extent, but for this season, it has to 
It has to happen now. It has to happen quickly. We have to be laying down the marker. We have to be stop stop using certain uh, media outlets to to release uh, transfer rumours, things like that. Everything needs to jump up a level again and become a lot more professional. And I think on that point, you mentioned Lowell being kind of behind a lot of the manner in which we conducted our business. I think Lowell was quite big on the PR war with Rangers and getting the last strike in before the season started in terms of making signings. Yeah. It, it was always a case of leaving things to the last minute so that we'd a, we'd a, a last minute signing announced before the, the transfer window slammed shut as mm-hmm. it invariably does. But for me, I don't think this window is about that. We need to show that we're prepared and, and we haven't done that yet. Um, even the manner in which Postacoglu's come in whilst we're all just delighted we've got a manager and we know who's going to be taking charge next season. We've still not seen him inside Celtic Park. Mm, and, yeah. I, and understand he's, he's he's been in Japan, there's a quarantine situation, I, I get all that. But the the quicker um, we see some action, I feel like I'm just repeating myself, but it, it stands to reason. It's so important for us, even as a visual for the fans, to yeah. see that, you know, to see a striker being paraded, the manager in, in the door, all those types, at Lennox Town, whatever it might be, just get it done. Yeah, I'm the same as you, Miff, and... and... Like all fans, I think we all want to see action. We want to see things happening. However, just to counter that, what I would say is, now that the, the board have taken on the, the project, and it has to be called a project that is Ange Postacoglu, certainly you know coming to Europe and, and trying to make an impact at a big club like ours. Now that we've signed up for this project, I think we need to allow it time to work or not. And I actually think, as much as it's your job here on the show you know, to speculate and talk about the who's, what's, why's and where's, I actually think we need to give it two, three, four weeks from now to see what it looks like and to see, OK, do you know what? They've brought in that big striker and they've signed a new goalie, and they've signed a couple of fullbacks or whatever. And only at that point can we fairly judge the board because everything you see on Twitter just now, everything you see online, anything Celtic put out, or even anything that somebody speculates, everyone just goes on fire. Everyone goes berserk, and it's just about over the top. Does the striker need to be big? He needs to be a big striker. Right, okay. <laughs> no, because I was, I, I've noticed that, you know, the quality Scottish journalism has linked us with every player in the Australia squad. Thanks for that, lads. Right. Could have probably done that ourselves. Yeah. Um, but it, for me, it, it's not the Postacoglu project I'm bemoaning. It's the fact that Celtic have traditionally done their, their business regardless of who the manager's been. You know, we've seen players without the manager being there. Unless this is a completely new way of working for Celtic, which I would find unusual in a guy's first month in the job. Um, we don't know too much about the structure that sits behind it. It's always been a bit baffling for us, hasn't it? Because yeah. signings have been made without managers knowing and managers being there, players released, whatever. Um you know, Kamala being sold as well is another example and, and, and Liam Shaw being, being signed in the first place. So in this situation, that obviously is still there while Postacoglu is quarantining and then coming in. So there could still have been work done or has Postacoglu insisted that that isn't done until he's in the door? I'd, again, we're completely speculating, but even just as a visual, as a message to the fans, I would have expected more to have been done. At the end of the day, the, the roots of all this come in the absolute debacle that was the pursuit of Eddie Howe. Yeah. And yep. and that's probably knocked us another three, four weeks down down the line. So in, in fairness, that's where the roots of all this come. But we are where we are and we just need to move fast. And I just don't think we're moving fast enough. That's that's the ultimate Maybe so. I mean, I, th- I think there's no doubt the Eddie Howe saga has left us well behind the curve. Um, and there's no getting away from that. Can't dress it up in any way. And there's no way the board would have designed this to be what it is right now, four weeks from the first competitive game. But I think the first couple of signings will really set the tone. And at that point, you can see where we're at. Obviously, there is you know a lot of concern just now about, as Paddy said, a kind of what seems to be a back-to-the-future approach with guys like Gordon Strachan, yeah. guys like Sviachenko, dare I say Ralston, hanging on for dear life and things like that. It doesn't feel like a forward-thinking, fresh approach by the club. The other thing I'd like to ask you lads about is the there's constant tabloid speculation online, you know, Twitter, Instagram, the latest being the, the Gordon Strachan rumour. 
And very quickly, I think within less than 24 hours, the Scotsman came out with a reply to that from a club source to say, this isn't even a thing. But in the 24 hours while it is a thing, inverted commas, everyone's just gone berserk. And it's mad, Celtic, the social space just now is poisonous and mm-hmm. everyone's mm-hmm. trampling all over each other and you know nothing and this is definitely happening. Gordon Strachan's been keen for 24 hours and he's probably not even signed up for a thing. Yeah. Do you know, it's that kind of yeah. world we're in just now. But the, the, the problem for me is that these tabloids, where are they getting the stories from? Are they just being, you know, devious and malicious and causing problems or is it coming from elsewhere? Well, there's, there's always been buffers sent out in the, in the media world in that sense. So, I mean, I, I hope that there's a like a, a new level, a new approach from us this season that, um, you know, we're trying to keep things under wraps and how, we're, how we're, we're progressing. But we can't forget last season the amount of stories that were put to these tabloids that are bringing this information out. That was firsthand. It wasn't more trusted sources that were, were used last season. So I can understand there's a bit of a furore from, from um, people online. I can I can totally get that. The treatment's a bit harsh, obviously, for a guy that might not even be aware of the speculation. I understand that too. But if it's a bit more of the same old that people are starting to see, you can understand the worry there. And this um, this poisonous like setup that we are seeing, and, and I agree with you on that, but the, the club have got themselves to blame for that, though, because of how they've communicated with the fans in the past, mm-hmm. this past season. And it's only been this year. I, I, I kind of go back to like a lot of the signings under the likes of Rogers and, and even Lennon at the beginning, it came out of the blue. It was almost like a kind of a, oh, oh, they're not looking at these three guys down or chasing these three players with uh, with Rangers down in the championships. They've just went and signed so-and-so and it's came out of the blue. And I know it's a, it seems to be a small thing I'm picking on, but see that, that really sets you above the rest. It really starts to show that they're meaning business and all of that just unraveled last season. So that they've created their own their own um, danger with us here. Really yeah, and, and as a fan, there's nothing better than just there. I was going to use the term picking up a paper. When did we last do that? But hmm. picking up your phone or whatever and seeing Celtic have signed such and such, and it's confirmed. As you say, the alternative is, and I understand guys are doing their job, but there's loads of folk online, and all they do is just speculate about Celtic being linked with this, mm-hmm. that, and the next one. It used to be the tabloids do it, which they still do, but now there's a whole body of, of other maybe Celtic-minded folk also speculating, and there's so many names out there. And if, if you throw enough darts at the board and all that, one of them will land. But there's just constant speculation and very little of it's true. Absolutely, and um, there was some some comments uh, aimed at me last week after Scotland's tepid performance uh, against the Czech Republic. A well, a well known a well known troll account, um, yeah. Paddy, a well known troll account, SK something I can't remember. However, it's been very quiet since Scotland's stellar performance against England. So you know that that's one day you're a peacock, the next year a feather duster. But for me, I take Paddy's point about how the club have communicated. I really think sometimes it's like club and their communications have had complete brain fade this season. The way that they've went about things and some of the things that they've they've done in communicating with us. Um, you know, the, even just the absolute insistence on the birthday messages. When the, <laughs> the whole, you know, the building's burning and we're still firing it, you know. Happy birthday, Rudy Vata. Um, just that there, there's been loads of, loads of, Things this I say this season, the season past uh, that we'll be glad to see the back of. So, so the hope is that we we just clear, communicate transparently. I don't know if my folks are phone at the night. Uh, we communicate transparently this season so that everybody's known where they stand. And yeah. I, I I I just go back. It feels to me like a lack of action, and that already is on the board. I don't want to start this season negatively, even though I could argue in this podcast I, I've been particularly negative. But it's purely down to the lack of what I see as tangible action. And I'm not sure it would be interesting to hear from a, 
our listeners how they feel about it because to me it's a bit it's just a bit quiet now with the Euros being on but I don't know if the, are people kind of 50-50 do they feel like we should be sitting tight and waiting till the Euros are over before we do anything because there's not a lot of time left after it True, true I think on, on that like I think that there, there, there has to be though and I understand obviously we've got these two, two international tournaments on just now there has to be work going on in the background. There's, there's just no, there can't be any doubt about that. Like, I understand we're all a bit, like, we're all hacked off from last season. We're all worried about where, where the club is going this year. But there, there just generally has to be. Like, yeah. and I would be very surprised if, we might not announce them straight away, but I think motion is in play to get players in, surely. My, my counterpoint to that is, it's this same board who we all thought had Eddie Howe in the bag. And they didn't. <laughs> Yeah, it doesn't fill and, you with confidence. And, and that's, you know, we are making that assumption. The exact same thing. It's the exact same thing. You, you don't know, but you hope and you pre- assume that, well, if, if they've got any sort of capability to do the job, they must be doing that. But I, I just, I, I don't know. I, I think we've all been a bit burnt at the end of the day, haven't we? I hope to God they are. I really do. Yeah, and I hope to God they are. With what you're saying, I understand it is the same board, but then I'm, I'm giving them massive benefit of the doubt here that you kind of hope that Don Mackay has been told, right, here we go, aye, you come in aye. from April, get the ball rolling for next season. And, you know, Lowell's just enjoyed the the, the the way out. It's been a bit of a, a dangerous way out for him, but, I mean, I think that's going to be the transition. And I'm hopeful that that's, the work has started from when he has, w- w- so, sorry, from when he has come in, that things will just start happening, slowly but surely. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're about to enter the last week in June, and officially this will be Peter Lowell's last involvement in the club, officially, at least, and we'll see, we'll see what the future brings, but... Officially, this should be his last week as a CEO. And really, now's the time where Dom can tra- transition into being his own man and starting to make those decisions, which which got him the job in the first place. So we've got to put a bit of faith in him and Ange, you know, to hit the ground running and, and to make some big calls. In terms of recruitment, it will be interesting. So obviously, Ange doesn't know the landscape here and he could do with a, a bit of assistance in terms of, you know, for, for example, there's a question whether Celtic should be recruiting domestically. Should they be looking at the, the Lewis Ferguson's, the Doidges, the Kevin Nisbets further into Europe? If not, you know, back over in Australia and, and Japan and markets that Ange knows. So he will need someone here to point him in the right direction. Now, funnily enough, I don't think Strachan should be anywhere near a director of football or a uh, head of recruitment type role. But he would be a decent sounding board in some sort of unofficial capacity or somebody like him. So if not Strachan, who is helping him just now? The existing scout? I honestly don't know. I don't know. Um, Nick Hammond left last season as well. We've mm-hmm. not replaced that. Um, and it's that lack of communication again. There possibly could be someone in place already that we don't know. Yeah, so just it's apparent that he needs somebody, mm-hmm. whether it's Strachan or otherwise, to assist him with this. So in terms of, you know, Angie's priorities, he's got a whole list of them and there's no there's no easy place for him to start. One of the first things he should have been doing, and I think it's probably a task that he's already completed, is his assessment of the current first team squad. So there's no reason he couldn't have been doing that over the last fortnight or or so digitally. Um, I'm sure he'll be taking a look at everybody that's that's part of the team, including returning loanees, any of some big decisions to make on them. A couple that you've mentioned, Miff. So Lee Griffiths is the phone call, <laughs> which is nice. Uh, it sounds like he's going to get a chance, which I, I think he should get a chance, and I mentioned that last week. I am surprised at Ralston. That does not signal the dawn of a new era, does it? Uh, well, obviously, I just saw that as his main priority, getting Tony signed up for another year. It's probably more to do with the fact there is no other right back. Yeah. You know, that there, there is no other right back there unless Lee O'Connor, I don't know if he would maybe deemed as still too inexperienced, probably got to get back out and loan again. Um if that's the case. But but there literally is no other right back there, is there? You know, no. I, no, on, again on the assumption that Ayer's going to leave, he's made that pretty clear that he's, he's looking to do that. So his hand's probably been forced in, in many ways, but 
that that list of things to do is is starting to get bigger and bigger with every passing day. See on that though, um, and I, I, I definitely think that the Ralston deal is down to solely the fact that there there is no right backs at the club bar himself. I think what we've got to kind of look at is we should be looking as a as a club our size, possibly three max for each position. I think Ralston's someone that really understands his role at the club. He knows the city. He knows. He knows the city. <laughs> he knows the club. No, I think he understands his role at the club, and I think you know if he's there for the next season and if he's going to be the backup then that's fine. There's been nothing from Tony Ralston, sadly, that's said to me he's going to be a starter for our team. And I think other managers have seen that as well. Um, but we don't have we don't have um, the resources to actually go and sign three right-backs. I think we've got to focus our other attention. So if you can keep him there for the time being for this season, in a sense, it, it makes sense to keep him. Yeah, I mean, there's rationale for it. You know, he's in the building just now. He, he, he knows the setup, And he, he can be a reliable SPL-level deputy right-back. Yeah. As long as we're not saying he's the man for right back, no, that way. if we're saying a couple of decent guys ahead of him, then that's absolutely fine. Um, and I think it's right that Ange is allowed to make his own calls. Mm-hmm. You know, he might say, Listen, I've seen that kid, I've checked some footage of him, he's not who I want, but he'll do his backup while we get other guys in the building, and that's all fine. So we don't know how those conversations have played out. But if but what's clear and what's evident now is that Ange and others are making football decisions. So, as you say, if there's things starting to happen, talk about guys in, guys out, and whatever else. In terms of guys out, you did touch on it. Um, obviously, we're quite sure that Edward and Ayer will be off skate amongst a couple of others. And Eddie's deal, potential deal to Leicester, looks dead in the water. Uh, they've gone for someone else, a guy, uh, Patson Dacker of Salzburg, for 23 million. I think they were, you know, swelling over the two. They seem to have gone for this guy. Now, everyone's, again, jumped to the assumption that Eddie's now staying, by the way. He's going to just see out his contract, and this just comes out of nowhere. I don't think there's any prospect of him staying at all. Now, don't get me wrong, if he stayed and somehow managed to get his Champions League football and the £40 million bounty you get for that, then great. But I just can't see it at all. So where would you be on it? Would you be quite happy to let Edward stay for a, you know, and then go for nothing? I motivated um, Edward, which he wasn't last season, let's be honest, although he, he was hurt by, by illness as well. Um, but let's be honest, it wasn't the same. Just the movement yeah. from was, it wasn't on his absolutely own, wasn't the same. Um, however, if he's motivated to to win a move, bangs in thirty goals for you, and he gets you to the Champions League, then you can wave your transfer fee on him. You'd be quite happy for him to go. So, for, and and then that raises a different question because if he's in the Champions League, does he does he then sign on for another year? Or I, there's lots of different scenarios. Mm. For, for me, I think to to keep him would be to ignore the lessons that we should have learned from last season, which is players with their head out the door mm-hmm. you're better just cashing in on because a lot of the problems that we had last season I think I had actually referenced it that, that he was one of the ones that, yeah. that stayed for the 10 he was obviously one of the guys that Lennon was speaking about um, post Fernsvaros mm-hmm. so we, we all kind of thought and knew that at the time but attitude wise I, I don't think other than wanting with a sore shoulder I don't think there's many times you could have questioned that got commitment and attitude I think you know uh-huh. he turned up for most games and, and gave us all so um, I think to for Edward to stay it would uh, but there's part of me just thinks what a player you know that that season the, the season prior is as good as I've I've seen certainly since Larson I know Dembele Dembele was special Hooper to me was well of Gary Hooper but some of the stuff Edward was able to do individually was, was just phenomenal I agree with you um, my heart says for Edward I'd love him to stay um, forever but my head says that the club are probably just going to—they're going to try and get the money for him. Um, you know, like like we just mentioned there, last season was the the season probably to sell these players, but they've they've banked on these guys being enough and not filling in the rest of the positions. I think he, um, he will go this summer. Um, 
Aye, aye. Yeah, I, I think it'll be a, a real surprise if he doesn't, and it must be everyone's target, you know, himself and the club included. Mm-hmm. Just that, you know, the, the, the counter to that is, if Edward, you know, obviously will be in close contact with his agent, if his agent says to him, listen, if you ride out this season with Celtic, you become a free agent, and all of a sudden the riches and the, and the, the, you know, the money that you could potentially earn personally would really open out for him. So actually, is spending one more year in Glasgow the worst thing for such a young guy? And it could be a win-win. Now, I don't think it will play out, but just to throw out the suggestion that, as you say, if he stays, has a phenomenal season, gets us to Champions League, just by virtue of winning the -hmm. domestic league this season, that's all that's required, and then gets a big move in fortunes, then everyone could be happy. So the Edward that we've just seen from the season past wasn't a happy Edward. You know, he wasn't pleased and he probably had been coerced into staying against his will. This might be a very different scenario where it might be a, you know, a decent... The, the one thing we're not factoring in here is the new manager and the effect that he could have on. True, so, true. So uh, y- you just don't know. And again, it goes back to, we're all just saying it's pure speculation <laughs> because there's, there's not a shred to go on. No. Not a shred. Yeah. And as you say, a new manager could have a serious impact and, and just you know bring a, bring a bit of fresh air to everything. And that's a serious question. So we've talked about where we've got gaps in the squad and where we need to bring in you know, a variety of different players. How tough could it be? You know, it's one thing saying, right, we've got a great striker, we know he's a good player, a decent midfielder, decent fullbacks. It's one thing identifying these guys. The other thing is once you bring them in, ensuring squad harmony in the longer term because you can't possibly bring eight, nine, ten guys into your organisation and expect that to, to click straight away. There's different individuals. Some will have ego, some will have played at a level, some might be younger players breaking through. You've got a real mishmash there and that's a challenge for, for Ange to bring them into you know, the system and the culture that he believes. So most club models would never ever have to do that in a season. Um, we're having to do it this year, with the looks of it. So if, you know, the likes of Edward, Ayer, possibly even Christie, they all move on. You know, there's a good spine of our team gone. We've lost Brown as well this this, um, this summer. Not to say they would be a starter every every game next season. Um, I think that it's actually quite a good opportunity for if we were to go and sign um, X amount of players, 8, 9 or 10, I think it's a good opportunity for possibly those that are still there that would maybe consider themselves starters to stake a claim and being able to be one of those people at the top of the club and being able to explain what the atmosphere in this in this camp is like to all of those players. But it's a it's going to be a long process on mm-hmm. that that sense. If you're going to bring in that amount of players, you're possibly looking at October, November, realistically for a time for them all to kind of start gelling and playing together. Yeah, to better. Um, but having said that, um, something I was talking to the guys about, obviously the fixtures that we seem to have banked in the first, I think it's like the first uh, 11 games, a lot of difficult fixtures for us, but this gets them out of the way and actually possibly everything might coincide. See, if we do have a good start to the season, if the team then start to go up a level come October, November, we're then going into November, December, our hardest months in my opinion, effectively gelled, playing against a majority of the teams at Celtic Park as well, which again should hopefully be a fortress by by then. And it, it might actually work in our favour, but it's a big ask bringing that amount of players in, I agree with you. Of course, as and just to tie in with that, I read some interesting comments, I think it was last night or the night before from Damien Duff. I think mm-hmm. he was speaking on TV back home just uh, through the Euros and he talked about Callum McGregor it was obviously post Friday night and he was hugely complimentary about him he was saying how he's a real sponge on the training park he takes everything on board and he then carries that message to the rest of the group and Celtic need you know the, the industrial term would be brand ambassadors but Celtic need players who are going to carry that message it maybe even ties into the Ralston thing now we've all got our thoughts on Tony Ralston but as a guy he knows what being at Celtic's all about and see if you've got a number of them who can help guys bed in then maybe, maybe it's not as hard a, a transition as we're thinking. True. Yes, um, and I think as time goes on, probably the, the damage has been done by previous 
I'll just I'll just be quite frank and say it by the previous manager, um, who seems to be blaming everybody bar himself. He seems to have had no personal responsibility for what happened last season. But the suspicion, well, certainly the suspicion for me is that all was not well with relations between the management. And you can either label that as Lennon on his own or Lennon, Kennedy and Strachan and, and the playing squad. And I think McGregor's almost pained expression through the whole season really taps into that because, like you say, he was really, really highly valued by all his managers. For him, Dyler brought him in, played him fairly regularly. Rodgers then seemed to be unable to do without him after a, an initial few months. He, he found his way into the team and, and, and remained there for, for practically for all of Rodgers' time. And then, and again, under, under Lennon. So for... for and I think every national manager played him yeah. practically every game. I think that that eventually Strachan brought him in. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So you know you look at you look at that and you say he is somebody who is absolutely trusted when he goes on the park. So you then look at his level of performance this season, and I think in a couple of games for Scotland he's been absolutely outstanding. Mm-hmm. I think in the Serbia game he was really really good. Yeah, um, you know a game that really mattered, and then against uh, against England I thought on Friday night he was he was outstanding. Unsung hero. And 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 again. More the type of performance you associate with him, just busy, keeping the game ticking over, and and probably played more in a central position rather than sitting off the left and, and kind of tidying up. Um, so it just, you know, it just creates another frustration about the season that's passed. But it reminds you just what a quality player you have there on your books, and 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 someone who, whilst they might not necessarily be obvious captain material like we would we would think of, you know, specifically around Scott Brown. He's clearly somebody that, that is absolutely critical in next season and any development of the team under Ange. I think he put, potentially could be influential for his next season, just kind of like what Tino was saying. Those players that are dotted about the team that just kind of have an idea of, not knows the club, knows, knows the city, not that part. I'm going with like those that understand what it means on a, a match. So you want to be going to Ibrox with someone that's kind of been able to turn around and say, this is such an important game against this lot. Be ready for it. Um, you won't. The atmosphere's tough. You won't know what's hit. You, you need players that have experienced it. He's going to be crucial in that that um, that kind of scenario. What I've got to think about with uh, McGregor is is that I, I look at the performance of last season very very out of character from the McGregor that we've known. And you, you hit on it earlier on. Um, he take Damien Duff was saying he takes things in like a sponge. He listens to everything that's been given to him. Did he have that last season? Yeah, maybe you know. maybe he didn't have good messages and the ones that we are coming from the manager were just stuff that he ignored yeah. because of, of what it was. I think what's also interesting about Friday night, so I agree, you know, much more like himself, Callum McGregor, and it's good to see. There was a really good bit of analysis carried out by the Celtic by Numbers Twitter account, if you ever have a look yeah. at that. It's a chap called Alan Morrison. And Alan puts out some really good stuff. And he basically, post-Friday night, had a look at uh, the comparisons between Billy Gilmer who was getting rave reviews mm-hmm. and rightfully so and mm-hmm. that's what he says at the top of his piece everyone was going on about Gilmer this, Gilmer that, Gilmer the next thing but actually Callum McGregor had an equally good game and the stats bear out that he actually had a slightly better game and he'd done a real in-depth piece on it and it's well worth checking out and yeah, I mean you just don't appreciate sometimes the fact that good clear coaching and instruction can mm-hmm. make such a difference to a player it's easy and lazy at times for us as fans to say he was murdered tonight and he was this and that but you've got to look at the bigger picture and what's going on around him. And, you know, almost as if by magic, he plays under Steve Clark, who's a very experienced coach, and you get a better Callum McGregor. Yeah, it's very technical, isn't it? In that sense, it's very much, you know, you know your role, you know your job. Sometimes that takes the pressure off so many players. Instead of being told, go out and play your own game at left back, good luck with that. You know, he's, he's been thrown, thrown into sev- several positions under the last regime. 
and you can kind of see the effects of small things like that from last season in my opinion um on my way into the the podcast tonight i was actually listening to the radio um and it was chris sutton was talking about him mm-hmm. um and he kind of mentioned the same thing you know gilmore had a great game but if i look at callum mcgregor that's the type of player i know and he's he used a great expression he knits the game of football he just moves the ball about so well and his pass completion the other night was 91 percent I mean, brilliant. Yeah, tells its own story. And that's the thing, Miff, we've all been, you know, you used the term earlier on, we've been burned by the season past, and that's caused us to criticise guys that otherwise that we know are very good players, and, and McGregor's top of that list, and there's, there's a variety of others. But if you've got Ange coming in with a, a whole new approach and a fresh approach and just some proper, genuine quality coaching, then you get a bit more out of James Forrest and you get more out of mm-hmm. McGregor and you get more out of Tam Rogic and all these guys, and all of a sudden the picture could start to look very, very different. Now, I agree with your point. We've got wholesale changes to be made, even just on numbers alone. We need to bring in, you know, several new players. But there's a core of players there that could kick on to new levels, isn't there? Absolutely. And, and, and it happened previously when, when Rogers came in. You know, it's, it's the same thing you're looking to have happen again. Um, the slight difference this time is just the, the sheer quality that you expect to leave. And even if that, that is Christy, Aya and Edward, that's three hugely influential players and have been for a number of seasons for us. So, um, it's more around that and the lack of very obvious replacements and, and the nagging doubt that we're actually going to spend money yeah. uh, to, 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 or significant money to replace mm-hmm. uh, those players. It might be returning loanees and, and, and the like that are, that are used to, to fill that hole. So it's that until we see, again, until we see what the plan is, who we're going to recruit, how that recruitment's going to look like. Just to touch back on, I know we discussed right at the start, Svitchenko for me, wouldn't be the, the worst signing. He had a horror show at Ibrox and seemed to fall out of favour with Rodgers after that. Um, however, Boyata had several That's horror shows and, and, and was given reprieves after it. So for me, Svitchenko, would, would we have lost as many goals for set pieces last season if Eric Svitchenko was in the centre half? The answer to that would be probably not. With Svitchenko, sadly, I, like, I, I, I would see him as a squad player I don't know if he yep. would be a, a, yep. a starter for me every week um, he was a type of player that threw himself into the club as well you know obviously um, I think it was his uh, sister uh, wife, and, wife what, and sister worked at the foundation yeah and his wife was playing with the, the ladies team as well and you know so they, they really they, they really gave their all um, in coming over here and embraced it um, he made a lot of friends over here as well um, and I've, I've heard from a couple that it is just speculation so I don't know if there's anything true in it but I wouldn't be opposed to it. I wouldn't. I. I. I'm a bit like. Um, we need to be looking for players that are going to be a starter. I mean, we've got Big Julian, which hopefully, as it stands, he's been speaking quite positively. It looks as if he's going to be um, a big player for us next season, and you should be getting someone that can just do do the job next to him next yeah. year. Maybe, maybe it is him. I don't see him being a, a regular starter though. What I think's interesting is I've I've heard both your lads just in the last couple of minutes saying things like wouldn't be the worst not against it, you know, could mm-hmm. do worse than these kind of guys. Is that where the expectation levels are at? I was just going to pitch in, just as Paddy finished it. Ultimately, it is a retrograde that, Yeah. You know, there's no getting away from that. You're actually going back to safety there, and what you know, what he knows, it's just a bit safe for everybody to learn to. It's not it, fresh. It's, it's not progressive. Yeah. It's not progressive. So, it, is that where we're at? Unfortunately, yes, I would say it is. You might because, be right. Because if you're a new manager coming in, um, you need to go for a safe pair of hands just to steady the ship. Arguably, that's what Duffy should have been. Yeah. And he wasn't. Yeah. So there's no guarantees it's going to work either. So it's, it, who's, who's to know? Who's to know? I, I, like like Paddy said, I, I, I think it makes sense, but it's not exactly got to get you up at your seat, is it? 
No, it's not. But also, we've co- well, again, I'm going back to that that uh, point. I mean, we're looking at players that are potentially quite happy to come and play for the club, who are possibly going to be again quite happy to maybe be, you know, on the side here or there. And we we do need to fill positions because we went into last season so slim, actually, without us really realising it. You know, there was, I think, there was a, a lot of confidence after the transfer window, but then. All of a sudden, we had one winger who ended up getting played behind the striker and looked so out of place. And it just, it, it looked really, really messy. We ended up with no right backs. We ended up having to loan a left back because we outcast another left back, things like that. It went really, really poor. And I think the club have to plan that they make sure that all positions are covered this season to stop that from happening because COVID's not going away as well, you know? Mm-hmm. So we really do need to prepare for. You know, just making sure we've got a big enough squad because I, I I felt slim um, with, yeah, with it all I, last season. Maybe I would go against that slightly in terms of remember we seen that visual once we made all the signings we got Ayeti and Barkas and Duffy and there was a there was a graphic doing the rounds I can't remember who done it on Twitter but it showed that we did have you know we realised later on how mm-hmm. ineffective these players turned out to be but there were bodies in position all across the park but it just didn't play out did it? You yeah, know, it, was, it was high hopes and they were dashed. Well, the, the other the other you know the players that sat. Kind of beneath the squad, Forrest being injured was a was a huge thing. I'm, I'm not I'm not one to go over and Julian. you know rate the rate the calls of last season. But um, then Johnson subsequently being injured as well, mm-hmm. we were quite unlucky. The ball and goal incident mean he was cast aside. The decision to sell Frimpong when we did, yeah. and then replace him with Kenny as well was just another absolute shambles. A, a decision, albeit that by all accounts Frimpong said he wanted to go. So what do you do? We're probably already thinking we don't want to keep players that don't want to be here because yeah. that's what's got us in the mess that we're in in January. So we, we let them go. And and that's right. It was good money for him, I think, as well. If, if I'm being honest, but again, it, it, all these things just all seem so scattergun. Mm-hmm. There was no end goal or plan. We were just trying to survive, keep our heads slightly above the water, and you just hope and pray we're not going to get back to that. When there has to be, you know, really strong foundations built within that squad. Yeah, and we know with no director of football and no head of recruitment at at time of of going to recording. That is the concern because I don't think Celtic in modern times have faced a more important transfer window if they want to com- continue to compete. I agree. If we want to just come comfortably second, then as you were, that's fine. But mm-hmm. if we want to seriously try and you know, reclaim the title, then it's such an important three or four weeks ahead. And as I say, we'll be in a better position to comment on that once we start to make those first couple of signings. But there's no doubt it's hugely concerning. And as I say, we'll hope to see a, a couple of marquee signings and guys that we know can come in and hit the ground running. Yeah. Uh, Paddy, earlier on you touched on the, the tough opening fixtures So domestically at least we know that we're kicking off On the Saturday night, 31st of July against Hearts away Amongst others, it's as tough a game to kick off as you can imagine, isn't it? I, I mean, <laughs> when, I, when I saw it I was thinking to myself, it'll probably be it'll probably have a, have a dean away We like, we like a wee, we like a wee uh, tough early fixture um, But you leave yourself open to that If you don't uh, if you don't win the title Then you're, you're not going to be home for the first game of the season So it's their own fault But... Uh, Given the context of the early finish of the 1920 season, mm-hmm. 2019 to 2020, no, I'm not happening back to um, a previous time. Uh, it, it adds a, a, an additional bit of spice to what is already a very spicy fixture. Yep. So I don't know if it'll be three, four, five thousand jambos that are in there, but they will be baying for blood. And if there's a lot of new faces that are used to Scottish football and the, the Celtic starting lineup, then you know you can imagine that it's a, it's a bit of a recipe for disaster for us. But Could by the same good. token. By the same token, I think he Scottish Sinclair's debut That's and it. how much a catalyst that was mm-hmm. for Roger's side that season. So it can go both ways. Right. And my, I'm obviously clinging on to the hope that it's going to be the, the latter scenario that plays out there. 
Yeah, and I have no idea how hearts are shaping up at this moment in time. He's obviously just been promoted, but Robbie Nielsen's under pressure already. I, yeah. I think he's persona non grata for quite a big part of the, the heart support. This could be a, a four-eats thriller. With <laughs> 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 Angie's flying V Mighty Ducks approach and everything else that comes with it. So definitely a tough game Saturday night. But as you say, it's the exact uh, location of Brendan Rodgers' first league game, Scotty Sinclair winner. So could be good omens there. Following that, Paddy, there's a couple of... Uh, Interesting fixtures, Dundee at home, St Man at home and then Rangers away. How would you see them playing out? Are they is that a decent fixture list to start with or is it so he, bumpy? I think he takes a lot from that first game. You know, he sees how the, 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 the team as it will be, we don't know obviously, but he'll probably look at how they, they kind of cope with that pressure because that is a that is a bit of a pressure pot game at Tyne Castle with them, like you've said, Miff. They'll they'll be itching to try and, you know, get themselves back in the big time and and, and put a lot of pressure on the other teams that they'll feel hard done by. Um, so I think that then you look at that game and you then look at the next two home games and you kind of say, right, well, if this has worked in certain parts of the game, I'm going to try and implement it into the next fixture or I might try something new. You've also got that wee week um, before um, going going to Ibrox. You know, you, you can implement a couple of tactics that you want to try with the team and see how everyone's sitting comfortably. Um, from what I've, I've heard, he is very, very like good from the the very get goes of seasons, he will look at two or three different types of formations and how how his team set up, how his players will push up, and everything just to implement the attacking football he's looking to do. And he might just see, you know, who's working with it, and who's not, and mm-hmm. that that might lead to your, who's going to be starting uh, at yeah. Ibrox. So obviously, I know you've got the two home games, you've got to go and win them, but. Um, Ultimately, I think you, you lay the marker down at the end of that month. I think so, and it'll be very, very interesting just to see how quickly the, the players get on board with, with Angie's message and his approach. What do you think of that that game, Miff? So four games in, we're going to Ibrox. What do you think of that? Um, I, I, it's hard to say because there was a big delay in the, the first one this season and in many ways that, that almost created a bit of a false dawn because we were we were quite equal to that game and then that game just seemed to completely take the wind out of our sails. It, it seemed a really... A kind of debilitating defeat to the, yeah. the team and mentally more more than anything else. Even though in terms of points there wasn't a whole lot no. in it at that time. Getting it kind of done or, or, or going to Ibrox so early in the piece will give and an absolute taster as to what he's in for. Um, and ultimately Rangers hate to say it, but Rangers are the, the benchmark we're aiming for this season. So mm-hmm. it it gives them an understanding of what exactly it is that he's trying to aim for. Um, but looking at it as an opportunity, let's make the assumption Rangers don't suffer defeat in their first three games. Yeah. And just going there to body the nose of Stevie G, metaphorically speaking, of course, um, to to try and end Rangers on going on unbeaten runs. So there's different scenarios and different threads that run through it. By all accounts, if you look at um, Angie's record, that's something he seems to excel at, is setting his teams up to go away to, to, to bigger teams. So, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm thinking mainly Australia, uh, the Australian uh, role that he had. So it's there's different ways of looking. It just depends on how you you interpret you it's just like life. Do you interpret it as an opportunity or something to be feared? And by all accounts, I don't think Ange Postacoglu is someone that's going to fear it. I agree. Yeah, I don't think he backs down from a challenge. So if he doesn't know what being at Celtic's all about, he'll find out certainly on twenty eighth of August when he goes to Ibrook. So that'll be an interesting one. Just as we start to wrap things up, lads, a couple of small AOBs. Uh, season ticket deadline, I think you touched on it, Paddy. That's this Friday, twenty fifth of June. Have you renewed yet? Yes, yes, I have. Yeah. Math? Yes. I haven't. To be discussed. Uh, your fifty pound voucher should have landed as well. Has that been spent? Or in fact, Paddy, I think you're going to donate yours to Kano Foundation. Kano Foundation, yep, I'll I'll get in contact with him. Yeah, we had also put something out in our Twitter feed, I'll be doing the same. Um and it's something we'd very much support so you can get in touch with Kino Foundation either through yourself or on Twitter 
Uh, just as we start to wrap up, Miff, what's your general thoughts just now? You're excited generally, optimistic overall? or I, I might not have sounded too excited uh, tonight, but there, there is an element of excitement there, but I just feel there has to be more in terms of action. Yeah, I, I need to see action to get me excited. I'm yeah. still talking about football here, by the way. <laughs> um, so I'm, I'm really just looking forward to picking up the paper, as Tino said, or looking online and seeing that we've made a couple of decent signings in the areas that we need cover. Players come back for the Euros, and we can all just start looking forward. Yeah, what about yourself, Paddy? Where are you at? Yeah, I, do you know what? I'm I'm confident that things will start taking shape in the next couple of weeks. Um, I actually wanted to go back to obviously we were talking before. I know we're finishing up, but we were talking about Edward and whether whether he will stay or whether he will go. If he goes, I'm going to lay down a wee marker on the show tonight. I've got a good feeling that Albion and Yeti will be our top goal scorer next season. Interesting. Um, I've just got a, a good feeling that he's, you know, he's looked at that Swiss squad playing in the Euros this season. He was not a part of it, and he's got a lot to prove. And I think under this manager, I think they both seem. I don't know. There's a, an aggression there where Yeti. It just needs. It needs to be pushed. Could be a lazy aggression, but I think this guy might come in and do that. Yeah. So that's my wee. The the right claim. coach might push his buttons. I mean, I know Matthew, you've got plenty of thoughts on Alvin Ayeti. So you two lads can hammer that out in 12 months' time. We'll see how he's <laughs> fair. So, following the picture of him and Dom at Wembley on Friday, the next image we hope to see of Big Ange are of him in a nice shiny new Adidas trackie with a Celtic scarf above his head and the Roman house of Lennox Town in the background. At that point, we'll know it's officially game on and he can then get down to doing what he does best with the players on the training field. But will four weeks be enough for him to work his magic? My thanks to Miff and Paddy for joining me in today's show and as always, our thanks to you for listening. If you're enjoying the show, please continue to support us by sharing this episode with anyone you think will enjoy it. You'll also find us on Twitter at Celtic Exchange and on Instagram at the Celtic Exchange Podcast. Thanks for listening and we'll see you again next week. Podcast Network.